theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. what the psalmist says he says sing praises to God sing praises sing praises to our king sing praises for God is the king over all the earth praise him with a song praise God he is good and we celebrate what he's doing in our midst my name is Akil Thompson I'm the pastor here at Extraordinary Church and we are so delighted that you are with us this afternoon we believe we are the perfect church for imperfect people and we're so glad that you're here. I have got some, a lot, lots of good news. Lots of good news is happening. But listen, I could not be more excited. We don't normally do it. We haven't done anniversaries or birthday celebrations. But next Sunday, Extraordinary Church is turning five, y'all. Five years of my family and I being here. Listen, we want you to come. If there's any Sunday, I'm, I'm calling everybody that's like EC fam and friends, like this date, this is the day. You don't want to miss this day. Like some of y'all, I love all y'all. All y'all know we got crazy love for you. But like, please, because we got like some crazy stuff planned. Like this is not just like we're going to have refreshments, we're going to have food, and we're going to have all kinds of stuff. But the party is going to be live because we five. I just made that up. Praise God. You like that? Praise God. Let's see how the Lord just give you <laughs> all the way live. Praise God. Listen, we are celebrating. We have some epic things planned. So get here early. Get here early because you don't want to miss it because it's going down at five o'clock. Trust me. If you come in at three, oh, three. It's going down at three. Thank you. Three. That Deborah Lee spirit on me. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't want Pastor Barry to anoint me with oil. Praise God. Bishop might get me. That whole <laughs> No, but come at three. Don't be a couple minutes late. Come on, leave early, get here. You don't want to miss it. Uh, I want to shout out Ryan and Fran who got engaged this weekend. Congratulations, Ryan and Fran. Super excited for you all. And we celebrate soon to be Mr. and Mrs. Matheson. And so we're excited about that. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, I say it every week. Uh, I believe it by faith. We are the fastest growing church in Canada, reaching the world. And uh, we give God praise. If at any point in time today, uh, you decide you want to take that next step in faith, uh, we have a couple of ways in which you can do so. You may be wanting to learn more about how do you live out faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, you just open up our app and you can uh, register for a life study. That is where somebody will come alongside you and help you unpack biblical principles so that you can experience the extraordinary life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. And also, we had two baptisms this past Thursday evening. Praise God. We rejoice in what God is doing, and we're so excited. 
We rejoice with Zipporah and Lexine. Beautiful time together. God is moving in their lives. We celebrate that. If you want to take that step in faith, because we do baptisms Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to see how many of y'all grew up in the 80s and knew what I was talking about. Praise God. Uh, no, we do them. And if you want to take that next step at any point in time, if you're ready, we're ready. You can see Pastor Barry and Nadine. They're our baptism hosts. Wave your hands so people know. Who, there we go. You can see them. They'll get you squared away. All right. Praise God. Do me a favor. If you have your Bible with you uh, or your phone or device, praise God. Uh, go ahead and get open up the Bible app on your device. We're going to go ahead and uh, uh, make this declaration as you're getting that ready. Uh, go ahead and get it to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I really want, she's downstairs right now, but Michelle has a birthday coming up. Uh, Michelle is our E-Kids leader doing an amazing job. We appreciate all of our Dream Team leaders, and so we're going to give her a gift to let her know how much we appreciate her uh, later today. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and look at Matthew 14 verses 1 through 9. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Look at this, because John had said to them, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted what he could not have. Whew. And although he wanted what, uh, although, and although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Look at verse 6. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Which, by the way, in that day, that wasn't uncommon for kings to braggadociously or rulers to kind of flaunt their influence and their, their reign. And so they would say oftentimes, uh, let me know what you want to try to show off in front of others. And look, therefore, so she, having been uh, prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter and the king was sorry nevertheless because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him he commanded it to be given to her wow i want to preach this thought to you this afternoon the greatest of all time the greatest of all time. Would you lift your hands and help me pray really quickly? Father, we declare right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your spirit would have its way, your rule and reign. We give you glory. I pray that an anointing, a fresh anointing would rest upon me to deliver your word. We'll give you the thanks and the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Come on, if you love the Lord, you can be seated. Praise God. Well, the goat. We're going to talk about the greatest of all time. Uh, there are not moments, um, there's a big discussion, I should say. Uh, I don't know how much of a discussion it is, but uh, there's a big discussion about who the goats are, especially depending upon what generation you grew up in, whether that be uh, one of sports or culture, or theater, uh, politics, it makes no difference. It seems like here as of late, this nation or, or perhaps culture, if you will, is obsessed with identifying uh, people who are the greatest of all time in their opinion. Uh, there's not a lot of time that goes by where uh, I got a call this week and, and other times I've been blessed to get calls to either speak at different places, different churches, and there's not uh, a, a lot of time that doesn't go by when uh, people won't call and say, hey, uh, what do you think about this particular ministry or preacher and, and should we have him or her? And I'll offer my two cents. And uh, there's times when people even move and they say, hey, I'm looking for a great church. By the way, I just want to say, if you live in the greater Toronto, Hamilton area, I think we've got a great church here at Extraordinary Church for you to be a part of. And they're looking for a church for maybe themselves, they've moved, or maybe a loved one. Uh, but let me just tell you one thing I know, and we say this here all the time at Extraordinary Church, that we're the perfect church for imperfect people. What I'm trying to tell you is there's also no perfect pastor. There's no such thing as a perfect preacher, uh, and if you found him or her, please holler at me, let me know. I'd love to meet them. But I think for some people, their perfect preacher would preach exactly 20 minutes. You know I'm not going to do that. Sit down. Condemn sin, but never offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. They work from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. every single day, but never neglect their family. Is 26 years old, but they've been preaching 30 years. Is quite tall, not short, thin, not heavy set, plain looking, but handsome. One brown eye, one blue eye, perfectly dark, jet black hair with waves. And that tight fade. Praise God. I had to go all the way back to my senior picture when I had hair, y'all. My hair was leaving me a long time ago. If y'all can see it from the side, that fade was tight. Praise God. All right, amen. Y'all don't want to see that anymore. Take it down. Praise God. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. ISS. Praise God. That's enough. It's enough. Praise God. Make sure it's down. Thank you, Jesus. Spends all of his time reaching for the lost, but is always sitting in the office available when anyone needs him or her. And on top of that, has a big S on their chest so they can fly and leap buildings in a single bound. There are a lot of conversations revolving around the GOAT, as I mentioned, its various aspects of entertainment, sports, culture, 
Who wants to know? Like, is LeBron the GOAT? Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? If, you know, people have, is Serena the I think Serena is the greatest tennis player of all time. Is it Margaret Court? I'm not mad if you think it's Margaret Court. I'm not mad if you think LeBron is the GOAT. I don't. I think he's a close second, but I think Michael Jordan is the GOAT. But I ain't, I'm a LeBron guy. We could do all of that, but who is the greatest preacher? of all time. I, I, I was looking at uh, an Instagram post, and this actually triggered a thought. The, the, the gentleman there was like, you know what? Uh, he mentioned a, a, a few preachers that he thought were the greatest of his era, if you will. And I thought to myself, let's begin to look at notable preachers. Is it Charles Hattie Spurgeon, who was known during the Victorian era and was called the prince of all preachers? Is it George Whitfield who preached to 20,000 persons each time he opened up the Word of God? Listen, I preached to 35,000 people. I can't imagine preaching every time you open up the Bible to 20,000 people. But I'm like, Lord, if you did it back then, you can do it now so that people can hear the gospel. Is it Charles Finney, who 90% of the people who came to the altar, every time he preached, they stayed at that church. He was the one who preached and used language like the unutterable gushings. Some argue that it was the Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards, who preached a masterpiece, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Others go back to the Apostle Paul, saying that he, the one who came with a demonstration of power and spirit, was the greatest preacher. Scholars may tell you it was Apollos. Apollos was known as the silver tongue preacher. Some will point to John the Baptist, the greatest man born or uh, the greatest man born of woman. John the Baptist. Let's, let's see. John the Baptist was almost the greatest preacher, but not quite. In fact, none of the preachers that I've listed measure against the greatest one. Matthew 14 and 1. I read to you something that's very interesting. I'm going to read the text to you one more time so you don't miss it in a moment here. Look at it. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work with him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John said to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. In the text that I just read to you is the most powerful orator, the most profound and eloquent speaker, the greatest preacher of all time. He came preaching. He, he preached like there was no tomorrow. His messages could be reduced to a single word, repent. He told the affluent to repent. He told the young up and coming to repent. He told the religious people to repent. He preached to the sinners, repent. John the Baptist came preaching. He was the voice in the wilderness. 
He was the one who, for crooked paths to be made straight. He preached unto country folk repented. He preached unto city dwellers came and repented. He preached and did not do a single miracle. He just preached repentance. King Herod heard him preach. John the Baptist pointed his finger at the king and said, Repent, you have married your brother's wife. But the king did not repent. John the Baptist, this man of tremendous character, heartfelt passion, and boundless zeal for God, could not pierce Herod's heart. Our text says that Herod would have killed John the Baptist immediately, but he feared the people more than he, uh, more than he hated John the Baptist. Finally, he did silence the voice of John the Baptist, but he still couldn't stop the greatest preacher of all time. Later, when we read when Herod heard of Jesus, he thought John the Baptist rose from the dead. The Bible says he was afraid and the king was sorry. See, what I want you to understand is the goat of preachers cannot be silenced. The goat of preachers never slumbers, nor has one fault in his voice has no weakness in his delivery and no failures. The goat, you probably heard him preach many times, though his ministry spans ages and lifetimes. Today, earth's greatest preacher will deliver messages in Johannesburg, Moscow, Beijing, Tokyo, Mexico City, my, and here, right here in Mississauga. He'll preach on the seven seas and seven continents. If a man was on Mars today, Rather than a spacecraft, I want you to know that the goat of preachers will be on Mars preaching. For wherever man is, the goat is there preaching. The first human heard him preach. Before the altar call was over, he was looking to put clothes on. The first killer in Scripture heard this preacher. Abel's voice did not impact Cain. But when earth's greatest preacher preached, Cain cried, this punishment is more than I can bear. A king named David shook and cried when earth's greatest preacher came to him and said, you are the man. Judas wilted under the message of the goat. And rather than continuing hearing the voice of the goat, he raced and hung himself from a tree dangling over a cliff. January 24th, 1989, in Stark Prison, Florida, serial killer Ted Bundy testified of fearing this preacher more than the electric chair. By now, you might be wondering, well, who in the world is this preacher? Who is this preacher that has such power? Paul gives us a clue in Romans 2, 14 through 15. When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Their consciences bearing witness. The conscience. The conscience is the greatest preacher of all time. 
electric, electronic firearms have internal switches triggered by a beam of light. As long as the light beam is received unbroken or uninterrupted, those photosensitive receivers, the detector is quiet. But if smoke, moisture, or an insect obstructs the beam for even a split second, the alarm goes off. Our consciences resemble such an alarm. When something obstructs our connection with the light of God's Spirit, the conscience signals us that there's a life-threatening danger. That's what drove Adam and Eve into hiding. That's what drove Simon Peter to a place of repentance. That's what drove Judas to the point of suicide. The voice of conscience. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the goat of all preachers is the conscience. The Apostle Paul constantly argued that the truth of God and the grace of God is revealed in that our consciences will teach us right and wrong if we would listen. I also submit during the next few moments, as you hear my voice, you'll begin to hear the voice of another. The voice will be known as the goat. The greatest preacher of all time will begin to speak to you. He'll remind you that God laid claim on your life. He'll remind you of the promises. He'll remind you of the hope and the love. He'll remind you and you will not be able to escape his voice this afternoon. You cannot shut off the voice of conscience. He finds you. See, that, that's the first quality that makes the conscience the greatest preacher of all time. You can't turn him off. See, the, the, the voice of the goat always locates. You may get away from my voice. You may get away from the voice of a praying mother. But you cannot escape the voice of the goat. Your conscience will find you. Whew. I know a man, he, he consulted a, a doctor. He said, Doc, I, I, I've been misbehaving. Doc, he said, my conscience is troubling me. He complained. And, 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 and the doc said, oh, you want something that will strengthen your willpower. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I was thinking of something that would weaken my conscience. Can I tell you, unfortunately, that is not the case. The Bible teaches us that a weak conscience is anything but silent. In fact, a weak conscience can provide more troubling voice than any other. My mind, when I thought about this, my mind wandered back to King, King Saul. Some of you all are familiar with King Saul's story. What a preacher Saul had in his life. He, he had Samuel, the last judge of Israel, and prophet in his life. Samuel counseled him. Samuel tried to speak to him and direct him and pray for him and bless him and preach to him. And as great as Samuel was, he could not get through to Saul. Saul, God demands you seek him first. Saul ignored that. Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul ignored that. Saul wouldn't listen to Samuel. Samuel finally died. But Saul, 
Although you might get away from Samuel, you cannot escape your conscience. On a battlefield in Gilboa, conscience and his two sidekicks, memory and remorse, found the king. And in a few hours' time, they so deluged the king with truth that he could not get away from it. When the altar call was finished, the king lay dead on a battlefield. You cannot wear the goat out. I preach on average two, three times a week and have for a number of years. There's times when I preach seven times in a week. I get weary, my throat and voice get tired, but when I go home on a Sunday night, I have no problem going to sleep. But conscience needs no rest at all. You can't wear the conscience out. He needs no rest. He keeps his messages coming hour after hour, day after day, minute after minute, week after week. You cannot escape the conscience. You can't get away from its message. He follows you out of the church, into the office, into your school, into your home, even into the fields of nature. He'll set up a pulpit under the sea in a belly of a whale. Conscience is untiring. He just keeps preaching and preaching, reaching and reaching, stirring and stirring, challenging and challenging. He has a way of hounding us. He has a way of whispering in our ear. He has a way of communicating the truth that we cannot deny it. He reminds us of what's in front of us. Joseph, I mentioned Saul. I think about Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was an orator. Over the years, Joseph became wise. Maybe he wasn't too wise in the beginning when he told everybody what he thought was going to happen in his life. But he, he demonstrated wisdom over the years. It wasn't until he went through something, praise God, that he got a little wisdom. Joseph was powerful, second only to Pharaoh. But Joseph could not reach his brothers. His bright, shining dreams did not reach him, reach them. His crying from the pit did not reach them. His pitiful shouts while the Ishmaelites took him away did not move his brothers. Twenty years later, conscience hounded all of them like their shadows across the desert land. With famine and Canaan behind them and provision only in Egypt before them, we start hearing them say, maybe, maybe this is happening to us because of what we did to Joseph. Can I submit to you, you amazing people, that conscience is the goat because it's inescapable and it's untiring. I know this is tough to hear. Trust me, it's tough to deliver. I wept in my office today praying about, God, is this what you want me to do? It seemed a lot easier when God spoke to me last week to preach this word. But can I tell you what I feel in my spirit? Now, I know you know we're on holy ground, but there are moments in our lives, defining moments, I believe God has brought each and every single one of you here to hear this word because he's brought you to a place that will be a defining moment in your life. 
I know this might sound like a convicting message. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'd rather us laugh and celebrate the goodness of God. But your conscience is a gift. And God is trying to reach you. God is trying to stir you. And the reason why you feel like something's been nagging you is because your conscience is trying to serve as your GPS and say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And you might have missed a term. You might have messed up. But I've got good news. It ain't over until God says it's over. If you're thankful for the grace of God, somebody give him praise. If you're thankful for the mercy of God, somebody lift your hands and give him worship. It's the grace and mercy of God that we're still breathing today. Oh, conscience. King David had it in his sights and it brought him to his knees. Conscience preached and Simon Peter repented in the Judean hellside. Conscience, I can hear Paul even after his conversion. First, Timothy, pray, pray. I believe that was his conscience because he, he saw Stephen praying as they murdered him right in front of his face. First, you pray, Timothy. See, we don't deal with an ordinary preacher when we deal with conscience. He can be seared. He can be violated. He can be outraged, but he cannot be evaded. Conscience keeps preaching. Why? Why? Why would God allow such a thing in our hearts? Why would he try the reins of our hearts? Why would he allow this messenger to be sent into our lives? Because it's far better to endure the voice of conscience than to suffer the ravages of hell for eternity. For those who suffer in hell will not only suffer from darkness. They will not only suffer from flames. They will not only suffer from the poor company and despair. They will have to endure something else. Yes, Judas, I know you took your life, but you couldn't kill the conscience. That voice will endure. I submit to every single one of you that in your last conscious hour on earth, you'll hear the voice of the goat. When you stand before the judgment, and begin to attempt to compile feeble excuses, conscience will rise up and tear your futile alibis piece to piece. The goat will remind you before the watching world of every evil thought and every deed you did on this earth. But the goat can go a lot further. For the goat sets up his pulpit in the midst of the lake of fire. And says things like, son, remember? Remember the good things? Remember the chances you had? Remember? Remember? That's what conscience does. It's the precursor. It's the, it's, 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 it's the warning signs of early disasters on its way. If heeded, lives can be spared. 
if ignored, devastation will come to pass. This is why Job said in, in 27 and 6, I will maintain my innocence without wavering. My conscience is clear for as long as I live. This is why Paul said, this being so, I always, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. I've given you two qualities that show conscience is the goat. It will find you anywhere on earth and will find you beyond earth in the place of even eternal torment. But there's one more quality that makes conscience the goat. Check this out. His voice convinces. Paul said in Romans that the conscience either approves us or excuses us. He argues that mankind comes equipped with a good conscience to know between right and wrong. But over the years, if a person refuses to listen to their conscience, refusing to listen to the goat, can ease trying to convince you to do the right thing, and you can actively pursue doing the wrong thing. This is when a good conscience becomes a bad conscience. This is why Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 19 and 20, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected. Did you catch that? Having faith and a good conscience, some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I had delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. A good conscience will lead you to the crystal sea. Pilgrim's progress, for those who aren't familiar with that. A bad conscience will lead you to ruin. This is the problem with the advice. Follow your conscience. For most people, following their conscience is like following some wheelbarrow, directing it wherever they want to go. Do that long enough and your conscience will cease to be good. It will become bad and it will begin to lead you in the wrong direction. And while a good conscience is a good preacher, a bad conscience is still a good preacher too. It will convince you that right is wrong and wrong is right. It will persuade you that you can do what you want, when you want, how you want. It will tell you it's okay. Miss Church here, Miss Church there, God knows how busy you are. It will tell you, you're okay. God understands you don't pray. It will tell you, hey, you know you're a really good person, albeit a good person that does really bad things. He knows you don't have time to pray. It's okay. Oh, oh to the conscience that calls evil good and good evil. Are we like David? When we have sinned, do we hear the voice of the conscience and immediately respond with repentance? Or have we become like Balaam? We know it's wrong. We do it anyway. Again and again and again and again. 
until the conscience can no longer lead us rightly. Today, the Holy Ghost is here. Herod, you're sorry. When John couldn't reach you, your conscience did. It's not too late. Hear the voice of the goat and respond. But Pastor Kiel, my, my conscience is hurting me. Good. It should be. It means it's not too late. Hear the voice and respond. But my conscience is hurting me. No, no, no. That means it still can preach to you. It still can reach you. It still can speak to you. It still can get through to you. My question for you today is, do I detect the goat is in the building? Do I hear the voices of dozens of consciences? Do I hear heaven's goat, the spirit combining with these voices? Is your conscience telling you about your parents' prayers? Is it reminding you of your dreams from a day gone by? Is it recalling to you your memory of all the gifts and the callings that God put in you? Is it ushering you back into a time of life of consecration and devotion? Is the goat dredging the pools of your mind and reminding you of a simple faith from a day gone by where you trusted God for everything? Is the goat bringing you to a place of contrition. I want our musicians to come. I thought about this and I realized that the Lord spoke to me today very clearly. As I sat and I wept, I felt like the Lord told me that I'm sending a high and holy calling today. As a matter of fact, I said, Lord, what does that mean? You know what I felt like? I felt like today, Elvis, there are going to be people who are going to respond and God's going to call you into the ministry. The goat is stirring. The goat is convicting. The goat is whispering. I want us to begin to lift our hands. I've got a few more things I'm going to share in a moment, but I feel like the goat is, the goat is trying to talk to us right now. Come on, your conscience is stirring you. The Spirit of God is speaking. Would you yield and listen? Come on, why don't you begin to, why don't you begin to lift your hands and just begin to worship him? Why don't you begin to just say, God, speak to me? God. Come on, that's it. The Spirit of God is talking. Come on, I know this is tough to hear. But some of us have got to realize. You know what I said? Here, I want you to look at me for just a moment. I said, Lord, I'm just going to tell you what I feel. Don't you ever wonder... When you can just get by, 
I, can I just be real? Like, Lord, can it let up a little bit? Can I have a break? Just, just a little respite from this. Lord, I don't even want to preach this word. And immediately thundering back to me. He said, how could you ask me such a thing? To whom much is given, much is required. You want to know why you can't get over and live an easy life? Because God has called you to change the world. You want to know why you can't get by with petticate Christianity? Because God has called you to live a life consecrated to Him. He's calling you. He's calling you out of your comfort. He's calling you out of your blase, laissez-faire existence. He's calling you to something that will cost you everything. But when you lay it all down, you'll gain everything. You know what conscious does? The Lord, he, he got me, he got me, Pastor Barry. He said, he said, son, I've told you all, no more fragmentary teaching and preaching. And right there, I think it's in Mark chapter 10. I, I, I've said, Lord, you know, I've, I, I, I've given up everything to follow your call. I was quoting that promise. Houses and lands and I've left jobs, six figures, well into six-figure jobs, close to $400,000 jobs. I've, I've left home. I, I would love to live in the city with my mom and my dad. I love Virginia. I lo it's my home. I want to be close to, Lord, I've, I've left them. I've been to state after state and now country. And I thought, Lord, you said you'd give me a hundredfold in this life and the life to come. And I was thankful for all of that. But you know what else is in that verse? At the end of it. And persecution. Blessed are they when men revile you say every wicked thing about you blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake you know why I love you all so dearly you know why God is calling you out of that relationship And can I just be real? You know why the voice is getting weaker? It's because you've been ignoring your conscience. But he's reaching for you. 
listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. it this ain't easy. Nobody ever said it would be. But I can remember. I can remember. I said, God, weeping. So, not that I had a ton of confidence, but y'all saw that, that hair. That hair was gone. And I can remember. I was like, who wants a 21-year-old balding man? I was like, who, who, who would be interested in that? And I was seeing this girl that I knew wasn't the will of God for my life. And you know what? You know why I was willing to settle and to take somebody that I knew wasn't even closely, remotely aligned with what God had for me? Because I was telling my conscience, be quiet. I was silencing the voice of my conscience, soothing it. And God got a hold of me. And you know what? I got, you got to have moments when you get real with God. You can call this trivial all you want. You can think less of me all you want. I don't care. I looked, I was in, I said, God, look at me. I've got no confidence. There's nobody waiting in line, and you want me to get rid of the one person who I'm pretty confident will love me for the rest of my life? Snot, crying, tears all down my face. You know what he said? She'll never love you like I love you. She'll never complete you like I'll complete you. And in that moment, I surrendered to God. I said, God, you can have everything. Every relationship, every connection. As a matter of fact, I made up my mind at that point. God, whatever is in my life that doesn't need to be here, take it. Take it. I only want people in my life that are going to bring me closer to your purpose and help your kingdom come to pass. And then, at that point, it's crazy. I decide to really live for Jesus. I like really went all out. I, I, I didn't care. I mean, at that point, I was like, I'm sold out. I'm going hard for Jesus. And at that point, you know what's great? Everybody want to holler at me then. But my mind was fixed. My eyes were fixed. I got one more I'm going to share with you. I'm done. I'm done. But I feel this so strongly. I'm done. I want us to stand for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we lift our hands and begin to worship? I praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. <laughs> 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. The Spirit of God is here talking to us. Come on. Yes, let Him talk to you. God, right now, turn up the conscience. Let your Spirit amplify it in our lives. Get through every chaos. Get through every ounce of rebellion. God, bring us to our knees in the name of Jesus. Okay, hear me. I remember when the Lord called me to preach. Hear me right now. You will never be called to do anything great for God in a moment of convenience. It's going to cost you everything that you've got. You'll always be called to greater during moments of consecration and sacrifice. As a matter of fact, you are never nearer to Him when you are giving things up for the sake of His call. I'll never forget that night when the Lord challenged me. See, I was always the preacher. Oh, I was always the Christian who wanted to bounce out early. So, I was in this service and I was like, I'm not leaving until God does something in my life. I, I, that's what I said, I'm not going. Like, there were maybe 10 people left. No music. No, not you all, just no music. No preacher. Like 10 kids over here praying and I'm by myself. Like, God, if you don't do it, I'm not leaving. The Lord speaks to me very clearly. I don't even know this kid. And this kid is over here trying to pray. There's like nine of them circled around him praying. And he says, go lay your hands on Philip. I ain't never laid my hands on anybody. I didn't even know the kid's name. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't no more preacher than the man in the moon. I went and laid my hands on Philip. And it's like all of a sudden. Whew, I had this rushing voice that said, I've called you to preach my word. And I said, God, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what that looks like. And later that week, not one night went by where God didn't call me to give up something. Every night. Why? To whom much is given, much is required. Pastor Dan McLeod preached a message to us, the maturity mandate. And you know what's burning in my heart right now? Before he We've got it backwards if we think he's going to ignite our passion. We got it backwards if our ideas, if we think our ideas are going to produce revival. We, we think we move on up. I mean, we're five years old. I'm like, the screen got, got me with the big head. I'm like, we done done something, Jesus. We've done nothing. Hear me. 
not a screen. It's not new cameras. I'm thankful for all of those things. It's not a brand new app. It's not passion. It's one word. Repentance. It's repentance, fam. It's orienting our life around Jesus Christ. It is saying, God, you be the center of all that I am and all that I'll ever be. It's you saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Bring me into right connection. Restore me. It's repentance. It's repentance that God will come down and consume a sacrifice and set this place ablaze. It's repentance that will call people to cry out and find healing and forgiveness and wholeness. It's repentance that'll restore marriage. It's repentance that'll pull you out of the bonds of addiction and pornography. It's repentance that'll set you free from getting high off of cocaine once a week. It's repentance that'll pull you from mismanaging your funds. It's repentance that'll cause you to govern your words. It's repentance that'll get your mind right in alignment with the Word of God. It's repentance that will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's repentance that'll shut your mouth and that's gossip. It's repentance. Right now, the goat is preaching louder than before. For all of you that are watching online, God bless you. Come back and see us. Come back and see us in person. Please don't miss next Sunday. We want everybody to be there in person. It's going to be amazing. But now these altars are open. These altars are open. And I wonder who God is dealing with. Would you come? Would you come and find a place of repentance? Come on, that's beautiful. It's not too late right now. It's not too late. Come on. Can I just be honest? There isn't one person here that shouldn't be coming forward because the grace of God is reaching. The mercy of God is reaching. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.